In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Everybody online, it's good to have you with us as well. Um, This is the second Sunday of Epiphany. We're still in white. We are still celebrating um, the the birth of Christ and his revelation to the rest of the world, this Epiphany. And in this second week, uh, having just, if you remember, celebrated baptisms last week, right? I'm still uh, riding that wave. Pun intended, kind of, right? I mean, thank you. Um, But also this week appropriately turns our attention with baptism in the background to the spiritual gifts of the church. Now, this is a really strange um, morning. It's kind of like one of those mornings where the sermon wrote itself, whether I liked it or not. Um, Ryan is out with COVID. Courtney is recovering from that. Uh, So many in the church are in that similar situation. And our volunteers are, are kind of stretched thin. And then while I'm here this morning setting up, my wife calls me and says, hey, Elliot took a spill. The kids were roughhousing. She hit her head. I got to take her to the ER to get stitches. And so I'm texting all the volunteer leaders and our staff like, good luck, guys. I'm out. <laughs> Membership class is canceled. Um, and what was really cool to see was the way in which the gifts of the church stepped in. When all of the clergy weren't around, how the church came to life. And I feel like I could just kind of throw this thing away. But there's some good stuff here. I don't want to do that. Um, but, but I do want to just kind of do what Paul did in this letter, going through what are those gifts? How do they come to life in the church? What does that mean for us as we um, have having baptism in the background or looking at our church in this epiphany time and saying, what does it mean to come in contact with the Christ child and to be filled with his spirit in a community like this? Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm sorry I have to do this. You can come after me later. Um, but I see the examples of spiritual gifts in this church all the time. The way Mark Hemmingson serves in the morning, doing setup, blowing leaves, setting up chairs, he does just about everything and you can't get him to stop. Whole families like the Casey's, they come to set up chairs, even with their kids, and really pitch a hand in anywhere that is needed with hospitality or setup. I watch Jonathan run, teaching our kids' classrooms and playing with them like a kid. And I think, gosh, that guy's the best job in the church. I want that job. He looks like he's having so much fun. I watch Barb welcoming people at the table, setting up and preparing this space for people to feel welcomed. The first face they see, a smile and a word of welcome. I know that there's a lot of people doing things in the background, like Beverly brings Rick anytime he is able to come. Rick? What's up? Good morning, my brother. Beverly, you as well. Uh, Bill and Whitney and Alex and Aiden, even now, and Stephen, serving, making the live stream happening uh, happen and audio. Like this stuff doesn't just kind of magically work. There's a lot of work that goes into it and they're doing it. Liz and Brandon and Douglas and Francine and Ange all serving at the altar all the time, joyfully. You probably weren't aware of Debbie, the magician who makes... All of this look like it's been washed and ironed and prepared and cleaned. This doesn't just kind of happen. Someone is actually washing our linens and caring for all of these sacred elements. Michelle Finch, she brings order to the sacristy, which is absolute chaos most of the time. Somehow she maintains order in the back. Kelsey, Erica, Rachel, Ryan, Michelle, Jamie, so many others who read scriptures and lead the prayers of the people every week. Esty and Jacob, They are always planning all of our church parties for us. Uh, The blessed 
blessed saints who make coffee for us and serve it to us in the morning, like Kirsten, Michelle, Candace, and Chris. Father Jonathan, who stepped in to be our director of family, our interim director of uh, family, um, and all of our classroom and childcare volunteers. That is sacred, sacred work. So many of them, in fact, because, sorry, I have to fix my mic here, because we have like a zillion kids. We need a lot of adult help. Table group leaders like the Hayes, the Casey's, the Greens, the Betchers, the Stokes, who open up their homes to welcome people as another front porch, an extension of the church's front porch to others, creating space for community. All of our members who have made a commitment to serve, to be present, to sacrificially give to the needs of the church. I could go through our whole membership. I won't, but you know who you are. And the lay team who helped me think this year through our annual budget there were people who said, wait, you need help going through a P&L and a budget? Let me help you. Let me, I can help you think that there are people that exist like this. And they're good at it. And they served on this team with me. Drew and Ryan and Mario and Jamie this year, those who have helped. Just last week, or two weeks ago, a team of eight of us uh, went to the Hills House to help tend to them while their child, uh, Graydon, is in the hospital. Others like Paul and Brennan recently stepping up to teach our high school Bible study class, which is going to be super awesome, actually. By the way, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Debbie raised her hand to lead our altar guild when we were in a need and didn't have someone to lead that portion of ministry. And the unseen work of our vestry members week after week, doing all kinds of things that if you've ever been on vestry, you're like, amen, brother. There is a lot of unseen work there. Um, right now, our, our acting senior warden, Walter Stokes, and just rolling off of our vestry, Melissa Gray, these, as our senior wardens, these are some of the uh, most work-intensive spots on that team. Those who are in regular intercessory prayer in our church, who some, most of the time I don't even know about, but I know you're at work, and I get little glimpses every once in a while, like, I've been praying for this, or for that, or for you, or for these people, these intercessory prayer warriors. Those of you who encourage one another, there's a lot that happens after church. It's not just catching up. People are at work. People are doing serious ministry, saying, I, I hear you, I see you. Hey, keep going. You need anything? That is a spiritual gift, and it's a ministry to one another. They offer words of wisdom. They're the ones visiting each other at home when they can't come and be with us. They're the ones visiting each other in the hospital in a time of need. They make meals. They sit, bring flowers, bring a card. Pray with families. Friends, I could go on and on for like 20 more minutes about the spiritual gifts that are being animated in this church. And it's not even just the things that happened around this building or this time on Sunday morning, this church. I haven't even begun to talk about the work that happens in the rest of your lives. Many of which, many of, uh, of, uh, much of that work we don't get to see. Did you know that we have a chaplain in this church, who preaches and counsels and teaches theology and gives pastoral care to a local school? As a woman, even? And I mean that because this ministry tends so much to be like kind of a man's thing, unfortunately. So we have a rock star woman, a chaplain, doing this ministry as an extension of res in the world. That's amazing. Praise God. Did you know that we have a, a founder and a CEO of an organization that rescues women from human trafficking. As part of this church, we have those spiritual gifts. Still, others are the presence of Jesus for their co-workers in times of need. 
or for their neighbors in all kinds of needs. There are so many gifts, so many stories that we could tell about these gifts. But friends, it's sometimes an abstract thought until you put names and faces to those gifts, right? We read the Bible and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I start naming names and everybody's a little embarrassed or uncomfortable. But I need to point out those stories and those gifts because it is not just a theory for us. The Spirit of God is breathing into this church community and in every church community with a set of gifts to be put to work for His glory and for the sake of others. If I missed you in my list this morning, I'm so sorry. Come and tell me and I will apologize deeply. I, am like not have, I don't have a great memory, so, but I see you and I, I'm so grateful for it. My point is this. Our church, this church, is alive with the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Amen. That's not a given, friends. That is not a given. That is a gracious act of God to us. To give us everything that we need. Money couldn't buy what God has given us in these gifts. No strategy, no charisma, no nice live stream could make happen what only your spiritual gifts can make happen. And they're called gifts not just because you use them for the sake of others. They're called gifts because you didn't get them or receive them on your own. They were given to you in the first place. God has breathed his spirit into human beings. And given them gifts, good work to do. That they might participate in the work of his son, Jesus. Who is establishing his kingdom, his reign and rule. And where that kingdom is going is reconciling the world to God's self. Making all things right. And we now have a part to play in that. Having received these spiritual gifts. Now this, friends, is what I think Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. In our reading here. Which is, again... No theory. This isn't just church talk. This isn't Bible speak. Not for us. We are the benefactors of these gifts. We are eyewitnesses even of each other in these gifts. Isn't that right? All of you would say amen to that. You've all received uh, due to the benefit of someone else's gift. Let me read for us this verse uh, in in chapter 12, verse 4, what Paul has said. Now there are varieties of gifts. Yeah. Just, I mean, I went, I like went through them all, right? Some of them. But the same Spirit, he says in verse 5. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You hear that? Everybody. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. Everybody gets these gifts. What are they for? They're for the common good. They participate in Jesus establishing his kingdom in our lives. But notice, this is really key. Notice how these gifts are not just a general kindness or do-goodism. If you want to look at this, it's in 1 Corinthians 12. That's where I'm looking right now. Notice that the gifts that Paul is referencing, the way he walks through them, this isn't just like a be nice to one another, be kind to each other, do good to each other. It's not merely that. These gifts are what happen when regular folks, regular people like you and mine and me, we breathe in and share in the Spirit of God in the world. That's what these gifts, that's where these gifts come from. This is what happens, these gifts, is what happens when you and I report to the same Lord, Jesus Christ, when He is what orients our whole lives. So our gifts are also oriented unto Him. 
This is what happened when the same God who breathed life into dirt to make us in the first place brings, breathed life into us and animates our gifts. And this happens for everyone. So let me ask you this. What are your spiritual gifts? What are your gifts? When people talk about you in community and they go, thank God for that person because this is, what, this is how they care for me all the time. What, what do they say when they talk about you? What are those gifts? Not, uh, do you have gifts? I'm not asking you that. That's already settled. You do. Do you know what they are, though? And maybe even more importantly, do others know what they are? Now, if you're sitting here this morning feeling like, well, Sean, this is great, but I'm the one exception I'm the one that got overlooked with the whole gifts thing. Or maybe, look, Sean, I may have gifts, but I'm in a serious place of need. I, I can't really, I can't even wrap my head around doing something for someone else right now. That may be a place that you're in, and I get that, and that's okay. But you are still gifted with something. God did not overlook you. You are not the exception. The good news is that God has given all of us gifts, no exceptions. This is the God who, in our great need, provided for us a gift. So we know at least that you have the gift of his son. We know that if you are baptized, you have received the gift of his spirit. And if you think, I'm like, I'm just kind of a piece of work, Sean. I don't know if God could work with this kind of raw material. Let me remind you that this is the same God who took water and turned it into the finest of wines. He made all of us out of lumps of dirt and clay. He, this is the same God who healed eyesight with spit in the dirt. I think he can work with you. This is the same God who entered into the muck and mire of the sinful human condition and transformed it into his home, his dwelling place, his temple. This is the same God who took our desolation and darkness and converted it into the abundance of his kingdom and a light for the world. I think he can work with us. This is the same God who has made, met our greatest need with the greatest gift, of Jesus of Nazareth, his death on the cross for our sin. Who didn't just rest for three days, but plummeted into the deepest darkness of death itself. And came through the other side the victorious one, the resurrected one. Who ascends, who ascended to the right hand of the seat of God, the seat of power. And gives to us a gift of new and eternal life, even now. Do you really think that God can't work with you? Of course not. Of course he can. Do you feel maybe unworthy or out of place? Do you think maybe you don't have any gifts to offer and you need some help to figure out maybe what those are? Well, we've all felt like that. That's okay. You're in good company. But the good news is that Jesus meets us right there in that place of not having all the answers. In a total mess of our lives. Confused about a lot of things. Not sure of our gifts. Maybe full of need. Jesus meets us right there. He does he can't meet us anywhere else. That's the only place he can meet us. He meets us right in our time of need. 
even now. You know what the Lord is doing to meet with us? Using this humble table with things like bread and wine to assure us of his presence with us, to meet with us this morning. The same God who transformed water into wine, we come to this table thinking, I don't know, Sean, he can't really use bread and wine and transform that into his presence. That seems, I mean, after everything else that God has done between like creating everything and and his death and his resurrection and ascension and all his healings uh, and all of his wisdom and all the ways that he has offered us salvation, this might be just one step out of reach for his ability to make himself present to us through bread and wine. Friends, he listen to this like he is. He's present. And it's not just some fancy meal, not some sacred meal. This is a very dangerous meal because it transforms what we have and where we are into a gift. First, by depositing in us an eternal gift through the body and blood of Jesus. And then making that gift available to others as God works through us with those gifts for the sake of others. Why else, friends, do you think when we come to this altar, we say, sanctify us also? Do you notice that? We pray over bread and wine. We ask that they would be the body and blood of Jesus. Super sacred, right? We raise it up and everybody goes, wow, is this really happening? I'm not really sure. And then we turn around and say, oh yeah, the Eucharistic material isn't finished yet. Sanctify us also. Our bodies are now sanctified in the same way that these elements are and used for God's purposes as gifts? Yes, that is who you are and that's what's happening. So whatever disqualification you sense, whatever distance you may feel from God, at this table he will transform that into a presence that you can behold and know for yourself. Friends, I hope you hear me coming in loud and clear here. We are no longer useless, broken, in despair. We're not forgotten. We're not forsaken. But just like we heard in our psalm, in Jesus we have been made, uh, named God's delight. That's what he's transformed um, in us through Jesus. No longer are you without help. Wherever you are right now and all of the things that concern you this morning, you are no longer without help. Because in Jesus, you're given everything you need. And through his people, you see that again and again in their support and their gifts coming at you. No longer are we just broken records of despair. But prophets, witnesses, loud worshipers of God's splendor and his majesty. Telling the story of what he has done in us. And none of this is theory. Take it out of the kind of religious category in your mind. Put it in the real life as I have it category right now. We can see God's giving to us, not only at this table, but also through the lives of other people. We can verify that indeed God is giving gifts to us by watching each other serving each other. Church, we have such good work on our hands. We have such good work sitting beside us actually. We have such good work to do to put our gifts to use as God intended. So let's join in in what God intended for these gifts in this loving movement of God through his son and by his spirit now filling his people with his gifts 
And let's not let those gifts go to waste or sit stagnant. Dust them off. Put them to work. This morning you may say, this, I, and I've, I'm not kidding, I've had someone say, Sean, I don't have any gifts. All I like to do is read the Bible out loud to people. But that can't be used in the church. I'm not kidding. This is real. Hey, did you know that actually we do that every week? Do you want to do that? <gasps> I could do that, right? You have a gift. And it may sound to you ridiculous. Come tell me. I don't know what you got. Come tell me what you have. Let's work together to discern what those gifts are. If you're not sure, maybe this week and even this morning you can ask God, whisper, Lord, have you given me a gift? Could you shine a light on it? Could you bring my attention to it? Bring it to mind? Or Lord, would you ask someone else to remind me of those gifts? To affirm, confirm those things in me? Say, You know what I see in you? Friends, that actually may be a wonderful way for us to participate with God's mercy and his gift giving even now this morning. Those closely connected to you, those in your family and those you love, what are the gifts that they might need you to call out in them? And listen for the Lord's response as you listen to those around you and you in prayer. And even as you come this morning, pay attention, listen. The Spirit of God is speaking. Everyone has a gift and he's naming them this morning. So let's open our hearts and our minds and our ears, our whole life's attention to tend to this gift that God is giving and to pay attention and see the way that God is transforming our lives to be that gift for the sake of others. Amen? Amen. Let's take a moment of silence and invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.